AI is quickly transforming many professions, including the role of customer success. I was psyched to join a panel on this topic at Maddox AI Plus CS Summit and am republishing the conversation here. The panel also included Zaya Yang at A16Z, Grace Gee at Menlo Ventures, and John Gleason from Success Venture Partners. We covered topics such as what types of AI companies are attracting investors right now? How is AI being adopted within tech companies? And how should CS teams be using AI? You can listen to the conversation or else read the lightly edited transcript. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Um, Once again, welcome to Maddox AI and Customer Success Summit. You are currently watching Untangling AI, What to Expect in the Future. I'm super excited to introduce our speakers for this session. And as I introduce them, I'm going to have them answer our icebreaker question. What would you use AI to automate in your life outside of work? So to kick us off, I decided to introduce Nick Meech, co-founder and CEO of Matic, who will also be the moderator for this panel. Nick, what's your answer? I don't know if we're quite there yet, but I would probably say laundry. I can't stand doing laundry, so laundry would be top of the list to, to automate if, if, if possible. Awesome. Allison Pickens, founder and general partner of the New Normal Fund. Hi, everyone. I think for me, if I could have an AI that could just automatically detect when we're low on diaper supplies, low on wipes, and like other types of foods that my household consumes repeatedly um, and just auto resells them, that would be outstanding. Uh, We also have Grace Key, principal at Medlow Ventures. Thanks, Bex. I feel like mine is really basic. I just want someone where I can give a stream of consciousness of like personal tasks and versus putting it in a notion to do list, just being able to say it verbally and have all of that decision-making, all those preferences, all of those actions be automatically taken care of. I love that one. I think I would also use that. We also have John Gleason, founder and managing partner of Success Venture Partners. Hey, everybody. So I love to surf and I also have a, a young family. So I don't have a lot of time to go surfing and the surf forecasts are fine, but I've got all of these little algorithms running in my head about which spot it is best on the best day. So I would build the AI to say, okay, you have 45 minutes, your best bet, get the best wave at this day is, is right here. Go get it. And then I could do my activity as much as I want because I don't get to do it nearly as often as I like with all of the other commitments in life. And last but not least, Zaya Yang, partner at Anderson Horowitz. Mine is uh, sort of like building on what Allison said. I was thinking I would have a fridge that would restock itself automatically. And then every day it would also tell me what I need to eat or cook. And then, I don't know, maybe we get to the point where it also cooks for me. Love it. Thank you all for your responses. Before I pass it off to Nick, just a friendly reminder to everyone, please add any questions you have to the Q&A, which can be found in the Zoom controls bar. We'll spend the last 10 minutes of the session answering your questions. So without further ado, Nick. Well, thank you all for being with us here today to kick things off. The first question that I'd love to ask the panel here is, what are some of the things that you guys are seeing from an investment standpoint when it comes to AI? Are there certain categories that you guys are seeing a lot of investment in? Nick, I'm happy to tackle this one head on just because Zaya and I are respective firms, Menlo and A16Z, we've had a really interesting front row seat to see what's happening in this new golden era of AI. And it's kind of incredible. I think if you look at some of the data around, you know, investment activity, I think PitchBook recently put this out, but 
in just like the first six months of 2023, I think more than 15 billion has has gone oh, wow. in iterative AI companies globally. Obviously, like the majority of that is, you know, Microsoft's 10 billion investment. But even if you take that aside, the value of VC investing going into generative AI is up 60% or so compared to the same period in 2022. And when we look at areas that investors are really excited about, this is how we kind of break it down at Menlo. There's core infrastructure. So this is the foundational model layer companies and vector databases. So Menlo is an investor in Anthropic. Obviously, OpenAI is one. Cohere is one. Then you have the vector DBs, Pinecone, Chroma, VB8. Um, then you move up the stack. And this is where things start to get really interesting. This is what we call the middle layer, dev tooling. This is anything from agent app frameworks like, you know, Langchang, Fixie, AutoGPT. There's model selection, routing, training, deployment. So companies like Replicate, Modular, Base10, Mosaic, ML was just acquired by Databricks for a billion. And then you get to the app layer, right? And so we classify that as horizontal, like Jasper, Runway, ML, or vertical, like Harvey or Relevoice. And I don't think there is one area necessarily that is getting more attention than others. I think the reality of it is, is investors are excited up and down the stack and we continue to be so. And I'm happy to add on there. I think I think we think about it very similarly in terms of whenever there's like a big tech shift like this, it's helpful to think about the tech stack. And so we we have this piece we wrote, uh, like the emerging LLM app stack. But, you know, there's very much the foundational model layer, then you need a database layer, then there's like a frameworks and orchestration layer, you're going to need observability and monitoring, and then ultimately the application. And echoing Grace, like I, I think we've seen investment activity throughout the entire stack. One other way we can think about it is like, is the company like totally AI or LLM native? Or is it a startup that maybe was doing something else or was still trying to figure out product market fit and then uh, now had the opportunity to adopt LLMs uh, or AI very early on? Uh, and sometimes that helps frame like, you know, because team and DNA and how they think about uh, the advancements is so important. So that's another angle that we'll look at when we uh, look at companies. I mean, obviously, when you go on LinkedIn, right, my LinkedIn feed is just filled with companies posting about AI, AI in general. So where do you guys see in terms of just the, the hype cycle or just adoption? You know, are we kind of at this? Are we crossing the chasm at this point? Like, where do you guys see that in terms of the adoption of AI across your guys' portfolios? To tackle, I guess, the first question, adoption across our portfolio companies has been incredible. I think, you know, we talk about this internally a lot. Unlike other paradigm shifts in tech, you know, mobile, cloud, et cetera, this feels like one of the first ones where both startups and incumbents are embracing it fully head on. And just like the speed of adoption has been insane. And so, you know, we have this internal graph where we talk about complexity of the AI stack and where companies are on the maturity curve, right? You can be, you know, at the bottom where you're just doing prompt engineering, maybe you're going up the stack, you've adopted a vector DB, and then at the highest end, you're you're creating your own custom LLM. And I think for us, we believe as companies gear up their maturity and sophistication and understanding of AI, they'll go further up the AI complexity curve. 
And then I think to your second question, where are we in the hype cycle? I think we're still very, very much at the peak of expectations. I know like Gartner has that curve. There's the trigger of innovation, then there's the peak, and then you go down the trough of disillusionment. I don't think we're there yet, right? I mean, I think despite, you know, the metrics from ChatGPT saying, hey, for the first time in June, you know, we saw a decrease in unique visitors, you know, decrease in the amount of time. You look at NVIDIA's blowout quarter and their earnings this week, and just like they added 50 billion in valuation because they blew out their forecast. And I think we're still very, very much in the early innings of excitement here. So I guess kind of transitioning a little bit more, tying it back to customer success, obviously a big topic of the summit is how AI can impact CS. John, both you and Alvin obviously have a background in CS. So how do you guys envision a CS team using AI? I was thinking through this um, because, you know, not too long ago, I was, I was operating in a high growth company that was only last January. And in, from last January to now, just I almost feel like I've, I've aged or become a dinosaur because these topics were just starting um, to emerge. You know, how do we equip our teams? How do we think about our, our teams maybe using this? There was a lot of um, maybe fear early on, like, what is this uh, going to mean for CS? Will we completely, you know, automate the whole thing to actually like moving? And, you know, we're not in CS. We generally don't deal with the whole AI stack. We're generally dealing with, you know, the point solutions, the app layer um, of it. And so, you know, just like when thinking about dealing with teams, it's a little bit, it's a little bit like any, any like change management process in a lot of ways. Um, I think like initially what I started to hear and, you know, talk to people about, there's like, okay, we're going to do an outright ban on the app layer. Um, we're not going to let our team to use chat GDPT. In reality, what ends up happening is people skirt that, you know, there really are productivity gains. And so people working from home are using their, their personal computers, um, to, to get those gains. So then I, you know, when it comes to like equipping your teams, it, it becomes like change management, like anything else where, you know, selecting, you know, what are the right needs of the team? What are the right solutions for it? And then the layers of education and, and training and equipping them with the safety and the privacy concerns for, for using the different solutions that, that you're going to give them. So um, I would say like, yeah, there's a real duty for, for managers and, and leaders to kind of figure out that for for their team. But I would say like, we're still definitely in the early innings of all of the solutions that, that will come to market and, and support CS teams. Um, I think we're just like at the tip of the iceberg um, when it comes to the app layer, for sure. I can build on that. Definitely we're, we're at the tip of the iceberg. I, I see so much activity, people trying to figure out how to make CSMs more productive. Also like automate the role of CSMs and improve the product as well in a way that makes CSMs jobs much easier. I'll list out a few examples in, in those three categories. In, in making CSMs more productive, there are a ton of products out there right now that are summarizing meeting notes and action items from those meetings, like note-taker AI is one that I'm seeing used a lot. I actually just this morning was brainstorming with Pi.ai, which is like a conversational AI where I gave it a situation with a client that was going to churn and like talk to it about like, how could we actually save this client? Curious to know if other people have used it that way. I'm seeing products for synthesizing research about companies that are made public like through public filings or job descriptions and then 
generating talking points for CSMs. There's auto-generating decks for meetings. Obviously, Matic is paving the way in that category. And then, you know, under that second area of automating the role of CSM or support, I see a lot of companies using like support chatbots, which I think could be used for like answering probably basic how-to questions, as well as automatically emailing the long tail of customers with upsell campaigns. Wizia is one company that's like initially targeting salespeople for this use case, but I think, you know, also relevant for CSMs. And then under like category of improving the products that CSMs don't have to do as much work, those chatbots in product can be really useful for gathering feedback from customers and gauging their interest about what would they like to see on the roadmap, as well as their products like Atlas that are trying to make it easier to create and maintain documentation for the product, which right now, like teams like Stripe staff up like huge groups there, companies like Stripe have you know, staff up huge teams of people to go out and do that. And then finally, there's a self company I've been working with that's helping people auto-generate configurations for software to like customize the product to your use case. That could open up so many possibilities for automating the onboarding process completely. So I think there are a lot of interesting things on the horizon. Yeah, I agree. And I think you touched a lot upon the data aspect. And I, I think we see this a lot in the market. I mean, CFM are touching a variety of data sources, right? Whether it's CRM data, usage data that's living inside of a product or even inside of a BI tool. And they're having to go and pull all that stuff together to make those meaningful insights. So I think, like I mentioned uh, on the first session, I think the data enablement piece is going to be a huge lever uh, you know, to be able to up-level your CSM, to be able to talk to data in more confidence, especially being able to tie it back to value. So I love that. Um, I guess what, you know, from your guys' perspective, what are the organizations, right, that you feel like are poised in terms of having success uh, in an AI-led future, right? So I know what you guys all mentioned were early on, but it seems like it's here to stay. It's only going to get bigger and bigger. So what organizations do you feel like are best adopted? I think there's been a lot of talk uh, the last few months about how well the incumbents seem to be positioned, uh, especially in the early innings, uh, for the reasons that they have the distribution, uh, right? But I think, again, because we're in the early innings, I think the expectation is that the full potential of AI and capabilities is going to require a bigger, uh, like more fundamental shift in how products are getting built. Um, and I think naturally in that case, you'd have to believe that the startups are going to be the ones who can innovate and come up with what that new paradigm looks like. Because at the end of the day, the incumbents are uh, somewhat constrained by their existing products uh, and their core business. Um, and maybe today, if if all you're really trying to do is use like an API and then, you know, embed some auto response capability into your product, like that's very easy to do. but if you're actually trying to change like a user experience or the way um, a CSM does the job, then, uh, you know, I think somebody who can move faster uh, and isn't confined to an existing product is probably going to have the advantage there. I would agree with, with Stea's point. I think the only thing that I would add is, especially as an investor, you know, the question is, what does the future look like? You know, if you're investing at the app layer, you know, what is the future of apps look like that are powered by generative AI? And I think my response is, I don't think we've seen the best apps that have been created yet. I think there's so much innovation in the future. And I think there's so much ahead of us that will really shock us in terms of what the future will look like and what's possible. And so as an investor, I think 
where incumbents have advantage, especially in distribution and product, is if you are just creating another company that looks like an existing incumbent, but just with generative AI powered by, you know, OpenAI Anthropic, I think the incumbents have the advantage. If you are creating a completely different different application that, you know, we haven't even been able to dream of, then I think, you know, obviously innovators dilemma. So startups will prevail. I really like what Green said. And I would add that AI changes the power dynamic within companies and changes what the needs are as a result. One example, I messed recently in a company called Ignition, which is helping to power marketing campaigns end-to-end using AI. And their point of view is that product marketers, which used to be, I think, a well-respected team, but broadly considered a small sub-function within broader marketing, that those teams are now going to be the most important team within a marketing organization because they own the content, which now is basically the sort of focal point for using AI. And so you know, Ignition is now selling to and empowering product marketers as their wedge. There's not really an existing incumbent that's owning product marketers at the moment. So to Grace's point, I think new categories will be created simply because they're new needs and and resulting from there being like newer different roles within companies. I completely agree with that too. Like I'm you know, I reflect on even what we did at, at Motive. We brought the trucking industry online for the first time, but largely the way in which we did that at the start was like digital transformation. And we mimic things that kind of existed in real life and put them on a computer for the first time. But when you think about AI, was that actually the best way to do things? And, you know, if we didn't have to do certain pieces, where, yeah, where would the balance of power shift? What would be the best way to do that process? Would we even do the process in the same way? And so I think, like you said, Allison, there's such a reshuffling of like where maybe the power in organizations or where the value clusters and there will be like a shift in the teams that either like rise or become more important within organizations. And so watching that shakeout as I think interesting as as well as things shuffle around. I know we got time probably for one last question before we open it up to Q&A. So the last question that I have for the group is just what are some of the red herring when it comes to AI that you guys have come across? One thing that I found to be distracting for early stage startups is embracing AI, like trying to incorporate AI into your product without really thinking about whether it's helpful on your path to product market fit. Although I think it's really important for startups that were born in like 2020 and 2021 to really think through what their new product strategy is in this new era of AI, I have noticed some actually like losing sight of what the core problem is that they're solving because they're trying to show that they are an AI company. One company I saw sort of embrace it, not in the service of product market fit, did actually amass a really significant wait list for their product because the AI branded website and launch like attracted, you know, a large demographic of people. But they still have to figure out how to use that wait list in okay. service of accelerating their core product. Well, Bex, I'll pass it over to you to, to handle the QA. Yeah, we have a couple questions for the team here. First one. Can you recommend a resource that lists some of these products that Allison talked about that we explore? I'd love to explore more products that can support CX. CX. I can put some in the chat window <laughs> and others can list some too. 
Oh, I like to go to the website. I think it's, uh, there's an AI for that. Have you ever seen that? It's kind of interesting to see in the ways in which people are building different things. Certainly at the app layer, mostly. Next question. How to safeguard yourself as a CSM moving forward? As the CSM, like relationships and the connection with people matter more than ever before. You know, as we strip away a lot of the tasks um, that CSMs do, your interaction with people actually probably stands out even more than it did in, in the past. We always talk in CS about kind of the busy work and the reactive work, but a lot of that I believe can get or will get stripped away. And so I would say like the human connection is still really important, particularly like if you're in an enterprise or bigger customers, really like lean into kind of the, the core relationship side of things, because now you have an opportunity to actually maybe even do that more at scale because some of those tasks to prepare for those interactions are, are becoming so much easier. So I think there's, I think CSM or customer facing roles, people doing business with people, it's, it's still a thing for, for a minute. Yeah. I would agree with John and I would look at the paradigm of like generation one chatbots. I mean, the reality of it is, is there still needs to be a human interface. So I would be worried less about job displacement and be more interested about how do I use these new technologies to make me more efficient and supercharged so I can become CSM plus plus, right? Because I think the reality, as you think about your workflow, is we want to be strategic. We want to be able to personalize every customer interaction. We want to be able to service them very deeply. But you can't do that at scale when you look at your book of business. And AI gives you that capability because now you have uh, the ability to kind of go through your customer feedback at scale and proactively um, understand how to cluster and categorize and have something to help you with task management and generation. And so it really up levels what you're able to do uh, your best self, I would think, versus, you know, taking over. I totally agree with what has been said. I do think that to help automate a lot of those busy tasks that customer managers are doing. And it's going to give them the opportunity to do what they do best, which is build those relationships, as John mentioned. So I don't think that's going to go away. If anything, there's going to be a higher priority on those type of tasks now that CSMs have more time to go and do that. How should we equip companies and employees to be responsible and secure? That touches on you know, a different topic of AI that I think a lot of investment excitement is around, which is, you know, security in a gen AI world. And so we're starting to see companies where, um, to name a few, I think Creedle is one, there's one or two others uh, that basically allow companies to set, you know, policies around what is the company-specific endorsed way to use AI. And then there's kind of enforcement at at the org and team level. Um, there's obviously companies like Hidden Layer and uh, so many more that are helping organizations really protect and red team, blue team, kind of the, the use of this new technology. But, you know, I think it's a new and nascent area and I think there's a lot of innovation and dollars going into this. And so I still think it's, you know, TBD and I think it's still Wild West. And I also think this is why when it comes to the app layer in a B2B context, it still feels like we're very much in the early innings, right? Like a lot of this generative AI talk has come out of 
things like Midjourney, you know, people like generating a lot of art um, or like really cool consumer use cases. But yeah, customer relationships matter a lot. Um, and you don't want to like put any of those at risk through some new technology. And that's why uh, there's a lot more um, that's coming down the pipeline, we feel, when it comes to AI applications. What would be your red flags as far as an organization not using AI responsibly for CS, CX specifically? The opposite of what we just said. <laughs> maybe like letting it do too much or like maybe like putting automation ahead of the customer's needs or like actually solving their problem. You know, at, at the end of the day, it's you're still building like a workflow product or something to solve somebody's problem. We're not like trying to take uh, what's the thing? Like take a hammer and then just like find a nail, right? It's like yeah. uh, at, at the end of the day, like creating customer value is the North Star. Uh, and you can't lose sight of that because there's like a shiny new tool. I think John mentioned this earlier, but there's a lot of change management that I think will also need to, to happen, right? And enabling your team to be able to go and leverage AI in the right way to go back to what Zia just mentioned on creating value for your customers. So I think it's going to have to happen in a phased approach and it's not going to be, hey, we're going to adopt AI for the sake of adopting AI, but going back to really helping your customers achieve their objectives. I think that's the, the thing that we really need to stay focused on. With that, we are at the end of our session. There's a couple of questions we weren't able to get to, but we will pass these along to the speakers and share their answers in our resource hub, which we will email all of you when that is live. Um, again, thank you to all of our wonderful speakers for joining us today and for sharing a lot of great insights and knowledge. And thank you everyone else for attending. 